We are starting the seventh parak, the second seventh chapter, and we are in Samach Vav Amar Aleph sixty six a, and we are beginning a new Mishnah. This Mishnah has nothing really to do with Yevamos, with the mitzvah of Yibum, uh, but it does have many uh, important elements that we've uh, halachic concepts that we've found. In this Mesechda that we found in this tractate uh, throughout uh, the first uh, 65 pages. Um, and it will be a good review over some of those concepts as well as uh, new ideas, new halachos that uh, this Mishnah discusses. Um, so, just a, a basic introduction before we even begin the Mishnah, there's a few concepts that we have to review. Uh, number one, is that we follow the opinion. This was a big discussion that we've had earlier, but we follow the position that uh, when there are certain relationships where there's a prohibition for them to get married, uh, some of those relationships is viewed as, even though it's not allowed, it's viewed as a halakhically valid marriage in the sense that they have to get divorced. We don't let them stay married. There's a prohibition for them to be married, but they have to get divorced. It's a halakhically valid marriage, and then they have to get divorced. That occurs the way we follow. It's a discussion. It's a dispute. But the way we follow is that if it's a, uh, if, if it's a, an, an, a violation of an ordinary negative commandment, so then it is viewed as a halakhically recognized marriage. If, on the other hand, it is deserving of a severe punishment, such as kares, an early death, um, so then it is not viewed as a halakhically valid marriage. We don't need the, the Torah does not even recognize it. As a marriage, it's impossible to be married in that type of relationship. So, for example, in a relationship of, let's say, a widow with the Kohen Gadol, with the high priest, so that is an ordinary negative commandment. That would, It's not allowed, but it would be recognized as a marriage. They would have to get divorced. Or if um, uh, somebody who's divorced marries a regular Kohen, so there too, it is viewed as a halakhically recognized marriage and they would have to get divorced. So that is uh, part one. Part two is that there is a concept called truma, which we've seen in the past. Truma is the special food that a Kohen, and only a Kohen, is allowed to eat. Now, uh, others could eat it as well. Who could eat it? Not a Yisrael, but the animals of a Kohen. You could feed it to your animals. Uh, you're allowed to feed it to your Slaves, your non-Jewish slaves, you're allowed to feed it to them. You're allowed to feed it. To, the Kohen could feed it to his wife, even if his wife, before they were married, was the daughter of a Yisrael, of a non-Kohen. Once they get married, he's allowed to uh, feed the truma to give the truma to his wife, and also the Kohen's daughter. The Kohen's daughter is also allowed to eat uh, truma. Now, as to why they're allowed to eat truma, each case could potentially be slightly different as to re- the reason why. Is it because they're viewed as a Kohen? Is it because it's just they're allowed to eat it? Certainly the animal is not viewed as a Kohen, but it's part of the property of the Kohen, and so therefore the animal would be allowed to eat the truma. A Yisrael, somebody who's not a non-Kohen, would not be allowed uh, to eat truma. So that is, um, that is introduction number two. Introduction number three uh, these are all unrelated, but we'll see how the Mishnah puts everything together. Uh, 
So introduction number three is that when a couple gets married, so the wife brings certain property into the marriage, and when she brings this property into the marriage, so then there are two ways to, two different ways in which she could essentially share or give over this property to her husband. And this is called, one of them is called Nechsei Melug, and the other one is called Nechsei Tzon Barzel. Um, and the Mishnah will get into each one. What is Nechsei Melug and Nechsei Tzon Barzel? So Nechsei Tzon Barzel is essentially, let's say she brings something into the marriage. Um, so then, oh, Nechsei Tzon Barzel is that it really, it really belongs to him. We say that for the Nechsei Tzon Barzel, it really belongs to the husband. Uh, however, if they were to get divorced or if he were to die, so then he has an obligation, a responsibility to return to her after the marriage has been severed and there's no longer marriage there. He has to return to her the value. The value. He owes to her the value of that object at the time of when they were when they got married. So let's say it was $100 at the time of the marriage. Whether it goes up in value or down in value, even if it depreciates, if it goes up to 200 it goes down to 50 it doesn't make a difference. In the end of the day, once there's no longer a marriage, down the line, so the husband owes the wife $100. He has to pay her back the value. And that's called that's called barza. So essentially, he has complete rights Ownership over the over the nechasim over the property. If it depreciates, it's his loss. If it goes up, it's his gain, uh, and that's called nechsei tzon barzel. Nechsei melug, on the other hand, is the fact that the husband has rights to use the object and benefit from anything that comes out of the object. However, it really belongs to her. Uh, if it appreciates or depreciates in value, that impacts her. It's really her object. It's just that the husband has rights to use uh, those objects. So that's the difference between Nechsei Tzom Barzel and Nechsei Meluk. It could be a bit confusing, but it's important to uh, get those terms down. Okay, so those are the different uh, introductions to this Mishnah. So now let's see the Mishnah. Let's say we have two cases. Two cases of... The point here is that we have a cases here where it's a Kohen who's getting married. However, these are both cases where a Kohen is getting married, but it's not allowed. If the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is marrying a widow. A regular Kohen is marrying somebody who's divorced. It's not allowed. Not only is it not allowed, but even though in general we say that the wife of a Kohen is allowed to eat truma, however, in this type of relationship, even though it's viewed as a halakhically valid marriage, but the wife here is not allowed to eat truma. Why not? Because since uh, she engaged in a sexual act with the Kohen, um, and it was a prohibition for them to engage in this sexual act, so therefore she becomes what's referred to as a halala. She becomes a halala, and she is now no longer, on a biblical level, she is not allowed to eat truma. So we have a case here where they're, they're, they're married. They're halakhically viewed as a marriage because it's an a violation of an ordinary negative commandment. So they're allegedly married. However, the wife of the Kohen is not allowed to eat truma. The question that the mission will be discussing is, okay, forget about the wife, but what about the wife's avodim? Let's say the wife had non-Jewish slaves, 
that she brought into the marriage, uh, are they allowed to eat truma? Because in general, we say that the non-Jewish slaves are allowed to eat truma uh, if they're brought into the marriage. So what about in this case where the wife herself, she's not allowed to eat truma, but could her avadim, could her slaves, her non-Jewish slaves, are they allowed to eat truma? So the Gemara says, there's uh, they say in this case there's a distinction between the Avde Melug and the Avde Tzon Barzal when it comes to the Avde Melug meaning the slaves that when she brought into the marriage really they're her slaves it's just that the husband has the right to, to use those slaves to work those slaves but really essentially belongs to her so those slaves are not allowed to eat truma. Uh, when it comes to the slaves that uh, are really given over to the husband, then it's his. And if it goes up in value, it's a benefit. And if it goes down, it's a loss. Um, and she just, at the end of the marriage, would get the, the initial value. So those slaves would be allowed to eat truma. Now, why do we have such a distinction is a major topic at the very beginning of the Gemara. Right now, we're just discussing the Mishnah. So this is all case number one. Case number one is where there is this relationship, which is a prohibitive relationship. Um, and we say that certainly she's not allowed to eat truma. The wife is not allowed to eat truma. What about her slaves that she brought into the marriage? Um, and that is a, there's a difference whether it's what type of a property is brought into the marriage. If it's, um, if it's something that she really owns, it's just the husband has rights to use, so then they would not be allowed to eat truma. If it becomes the husband's, uh, so then they are allowed to eat truma. So the Mishnah just explains, what is the case of Avdi Mulug, of the slaves having the status of Nechse Mulug, if they die, so then it's her loss, if they go up in value, so then it's her gain. So the Mishnah continues, for these slaves, the, the husband is responsible to feed them, to feed these non-Jewish slaves, so even though he's responsible to feed these non-Jewish slaves, still they do not eat truma, uh, and because they are her slaves, in the end of the day they are her slaves, even though he's obligated to uh, feed them. And what is the case of the slaves of Tzom Barzal? It means that that the impact of whether they die or goes up, they go up in value. That is to either his loss or his benefit, him being the husband. And she just gets the initial value. She doesn't have any real ownership over these slaves. So then we say, since it's in the end of the day, he's responsible. If anything happens, it impacts his uh, his financial connection or, or it's, uh, it's either lost him or, or, or gained for him. So because it impacts him, so therefore, therefore, they would uh, be eating from truma. Okay, that is all case number one, where it's basically a case where there's a, a marriage between a Kohen and either it's the Kohen Gadol, the high priest with a widow, or a regular Kohen with someone who's divorced. Uh, but essentially, it's a, it's, a, it's a relationship where they're not allowed to be married, the wife is not allowed to eat truma, and when it comes to the slaves... It depends on what type of slave it is when it's brought into the marriage. If it's a slave that really belongs to her, so they're not allowed to eat truma. If it's a slave that belongs to him, they are allowed to eat truma. Case number two is your regular classic case. Bas Yisrael the Kohen. We have the 
regular non-Kohen marry the, the wife is a non-Kohen is a Yisrael and she marries a Kohen so she's allowed to eat Shuma. Once she marries the Kohen, she's allowed to eat Shuma. And not only is she allowed to eat Shuma, all the slaves, all the non-Jewish slaves, whether they were brought into the marriage to be uh, for the husband, the husband really owns them, or whether she owns them, doesn't make a difference. Uh, they are allowed to eat Shuma. That's case number two. And finally, case number three, Ubas Kohen. Case number three is the opposite. It's where we have oh, the wife was the daughter of a Kohen. So this is her entire life she's been eating truma because she's the daughter of a Kohen. She's been eating this food that's designated for the Kohanim. She marries somebody who's not a Kohen. So then her status becomes that she's the wife of somebody who's not a Kohen. She's not allowed to eat truma. Not only is she not allowed to eat truma, but also any of her slaves, all of her slaves, even the ones that are hers, um, that she really owns, and the husband just has to get the benefit, so they are also not allowed uh, to eat truma. In all those cases, they're not allowed to eat truma. So we had discussed three different cases in the Mishnah. Uh, case number one was where it's a Kohen marrying somebody who's not a Kohen, but it's a, rela- a prohibitive relationship. Case number two is where it's a non-Kohen, the, the wife is a non-Kohen marrying a Kohen, and that is perfectly allowed. And we say that she is allowed to eat truma, and all the slaves that she brings into the marriage, they're allowed to eat truma. And then case number three is where we have somebody who the wife was a Kohen, was the daughter of a Kohen. She was eating truma until she married a Yisrael, until she married a Yisrael, somebody who was not a Kohen, and now she's not allowed to eat truma, and also all of her slaves are not allowed to eat truma. Now the, the Gemara, we'll see in the next recording, in the beginning of this page, uh, discusses really the first case and why would there be a distinction between Avdei Mulug and Avdei Tzombarzal, a difference between uh, the slaves that she brings into marriage if it's really her slaves, so they're not allowed to eat truma, but if they're really his slaves, uh, so then they could eat truma. Why would we make such a distinction? That would be discussed. That will be discussed in the coming Gemara. But we'll stop here and we'll see the coming Gemara in the next recording.